Welcome to Centering, the Asian American Christian Podcast. I'm Eleanor Balon. And I'm Jay Katanis. This season, we're exploring Filipino American Christian experiences from a variety of perspectives. Thanks for joining us. Welcome everyone to this episode and special season of Centering, the Asian American Christian Podcast. I'm your co-host Eleanor and I'm here with my other co-host Jay. Would you like to say hello to our friends? Hello again, friends. (laughs) So hello everyone. Thank you for joining us. Here on this podcast, we really want to serve people who work in ministry or in church life um, or counseling, the helping professions, whether you yourself are Filipino and want to hear about what it's like to be a helper as a Filipino person, or if you work with Filipino people and want to know how to better serve them in your church your ministry or whatever career that you are working in, or if you just like being here and enjoy listening to mine and Jay's voices, (laughs) we (laughs) welcome you here. (laughs) I myself have a special interest in the mental health of people who are in ministry. And this year I've gotten to do some great training on doing psychological testing for folks who are trying to get into religious life. So with that, I'm very excited to be joined by our guest today who is a pastor himself. So I am going to pass it on to Jay to introduce our very special guest. Thank you, Eleanor. And welcome again, listeners to this special episode and season of centering that focuses on the Filipino American community and Christian experiences within that. We are joined today by Dr. Alan Dionson, AKA Pastor Alan, who is the senior pastor of Charisma Life Church in Southern California. You know, I was in San Diego last summer meeting with about 20 other Filipino American pastors And it's my privilege whenever I go to a city to gather with pastors and hear how we can support them or what God is doing in their context. As I shared about the work that Fuller was about to embark on, the person they kept encouraging me to talk to was Dr. Alan Dionson. And they said he has a doctorate from Fuller and has done research and writing related to ministry in our community. So little by little, you know, we have gotten to know each other. And a few months ago, Dr. June Arnesio connected us, who is a fellow pastor in my denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church. And the three of us, Dr. Arnesio, Dr. Alan Johnson, and myself, had a conversation about Filipino American ministry and theology. So today we're really happy to bring Dr. Allen onto this podcast. We'll call him Pastor Allen since many people in his church might listen and they know him as that, as Pastor Allen or Pastor A. But we're especially grateful to have him with us because he just returned from a trip and is used to a 10 hour time difference than where he is currently back home in Southern California. So Pastor Allen, You've been a pastor for many years. We want to hear about that, how many years and and some of the arc or journey 
you've had through ministry. But I want to start with this for folks who are in ministry and considering going into that that work. You just returned from a trip overseas. Yes. They look yeah. wonderful. <laughs> and on all the pictures that I saw on social media, you looked so happy. <laughs> and before that, I think, whether it was weeks or months before, you did a triathlon. And I don't think most pastors are able to do triathlons. I am not. Okay. But, you know, as a pastor, you have been in the ministry for a long time. I'm not saying you're not young. You're still definitely young and young looking. But what are some practices that you have developed over time in order to stay healthy, especially over the last few years? Would you share some of those practices or hobbies with us? Yes, I was born with uh, severe asthma when I went to uh, uh, high school. I, I, I did not grow up asthmatic, but I think I acquired it during high school. Wow. And so uh, swimming was part of my therapy. And uh, while in high school, I did not know that I became a, a competitive uh, swimmer all the way in the Philippines, I would say, to the state finals. And I was just one competition shy away from making it to the national. But uh, when I started doing the ministry, uh, my first uh, pastorate, uh, I did not know. I just ballooned. I, I gained a lot of weight because of the stress. At 25 years old, I was diagnosed with a what they call a uh, hiatal hernia. So it's like a, mm. a an hernia uh, in the esophagus. And so as a result of that, the doctors told me that we might open you up or you could uh, go to uh, air sports, you know, like a lot of cardio. So it could be running, biking, swimming, anything that's not stationary, not, not, not like uh, lifting weights. I kind of put it aside. I came to the U.S. in 2003 and started, you know, pursuing my my second master's at Fuller. Uh, and then, you know, I went through some uh, serious um, emotional, mental issue with the church I was pastoring. Hmm. I think it it was it was not, it was not a good match, you know, with my gifting and the vision of the church. There were some assumptions that were not happening. So in 2000. Hmm nine to 2011 i just went through uh, a very uh, deep uh, depression and borderline mm. i would say even uh, having a nervous breakdown wow. and i saw this video about a father and a son who, who this father was pushing his son who had uh, cerebral palsy mm. and i said man it, it, uh, i was watching it on youtube in one of those moments where I was depressed and I was so motivated. I said, maybe I should start doing this. So in 2007, I started running uh, my marathon and then 2010. And I remember that my first marathon, I I had these pieces of paper of the people that really hurt me and used those uh, mm. every mile to just let go. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, it was my personal, like just letting go. And, uh, you know, then it led to my second marathon, the third, fourth, and then the next thing I knew, I wanted more ch uh, challenges. So I joined the uh, triathlon. You know, there's therefore, uh, several distances. Hmm. And then it led me to half Ironman, which is about 1.6 mile swim, and then a 56 mile uh, bike, followed by half marathon, which would be about 13.1 wow. miles. 
I did about 11 of that. And uh, then wow. uh, the, the, the ultimate race, which is the Ironman, which is uh, 2.4 miles swim, and then mm -hmm. um, a 112-mile bike, followed by a full marathon, which is 26.2. So, um, wow. and that really helped me, you know, to stay away from uh, what I went through in the ministry. It, it really helped me focus uh, on my 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 ministry, my leadership, because in, in an Ironman, you don't know what you're going to face. Um, hmm. I could have an injury while racing. Um, I could have mechanical issues with my bike. I could have blisters mm -hmm. uh, on my foot because of the rain. I could mess up with my nutrition because it's about five, 15, 16, 17 hours. Uh, wow. Your body's in shock. You know, uh, It's trying to compensate all of this load of uh, cardio and so, uh, so I'm sharing this because this was my experience, uh, like my last race, which was in Estonia. Uh, I, 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 I wanted it to be a perfect race, but it did not become a perfect race during race day. It rained. This was in the Baltic uh, region. Mm. <laughs> so it, wow. it was cold, you know, so I had to look at my, my data, my heart rate and, and in life in ministry, uh, same thing, you know, I can, there are a lot of things I can't control, you know, COVID, some of the issues that we go through uh, with, with politics and, and the people, you know, uh, wearing a mask or not, vaccine and all of that. So wow, yep. it really helped me. And I think uh, I, I read somehow uh, Gordon MacDonald, you know, his book about how pastors should have a different activity. He uses uh, gardening as his way of getting out of uh, the ministry where he would go to his cabin and then uh, he would plant and in, in planting the gardening, you know, understanding uh, mm -hmm. uh, perennial plants, you know, annual plants and, you know, those that needed a lot of attention, those that will just grow. He, he somehow how he could use that in this church and in triathlon. It really helped me a lot. And uh, it's a very demanding sport, but it helped me yeah. physically. You know, and it helped me um, emotionally and also in my leadership. So I'm actually one race shy away of making it to the uh, Kona, Hawaii, which is the large. This is like yes. the Tour de France of triathlons. So yes. I've done I've done 11 uh, races and I'm just uh, one shy away uh, of getting a slot for uh, Kona, Hawaii, the championship. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I've seen some of those Kona triathlons on TV and it just looks so demanding but you know as i asked you that question i had no idea that you had that kind of a story and experience yes. related and then it made me think well if i could run a mile for every person who has caused me some stress <laughs> in ministry i might become an ultra marathon runner myself <laughs> yeah anyway, you're right yeah. yeah thank yeah. you for sharing that that is really helpful and uh, we really appreciate your vulnerability related to yes. sharing the mental health challenges that are often mm. parallel to ministry and affect mm. the ministry or sometimes because of the ministry. Wow, what a wealth of insight we just gained. Really appreciate that. So I'm going to turn it to Eleanor because she's a SoCal native. Yes. And so she has just, you know, questions. So Eleanor, <laughs> go ahead. 
Yes, I um, am so grateful once again for you sharing. And as Jay mentioned, I am a Southern California native through and through. I grew up in, I was born in San Bernardino, but grew up in Rialto, Fontana Oh, area. okay. Um, and I'm familiar with Pomona because that's, they have great food there. And my cousin went to Cal Poly Pomona's. I just, yeah, Pomona is the gateway to many things in my life. And Yes. so I know that your church, Charisma Life, is out there. And just wondering if you could tell us more about your ministry there um, and how diverse the church is and, and what are some of the unique and exciting things that God's doing in your ministry there. Thank you, Eleanor. Uh, the church, a Charisma Life Church, uh, was pastored by uh, Dr. Fred Mendoza. He's an Assemblies of God minister who went to Singapore, but then that led him to come over to SoCal, attended Vanguard University, and he stayed in the Carson, Wilmington area where he planted his church, I believe, in 1987. So it's about 35 years. Wow. I think on the second year, uh, it started uh, really as a Filipino church. And in fact, he called it a Filipino community church. I think on the second year, one of the U.S. born Filipino, um, uh, you know, said, uh, Pastor, I, I think we need to be more inclusive. Now, this was like 1988, 1989, you know, so at the time the Filipino ministry was it's in its infant stage. There were no materials, you know, regarding cross-cultural ministry. And so he dropped the name uh, Filipino Community Church and, you know, used uh, Charisma Life. Hmm. The church moved several times, usually here in the San Gabriel uh, area of Valley, and they purchased a property in West Covina. And that's where the church really uh, grew. And in 2003, there was this church because of the phenomenon of white flight. This this church, that the building uh, was built in 1940. Big, very big uh, property. There is a school here before. Uh, there is a baseball field here. So the church alone, I'd say about seven uh, acres of, of land. We have five buildings. We have a gym. Yeah. So, but it was a merger. Uh, when the merger happened, there were about 350 Filipinos and maybe about 40 of the original members of the church. The sanctuary, the seating capacity is about uh, a thousand. So I, I would like to assume there was a time during their golden years in the 1970s where they have this big production that the church will have multiple service. We have some uh, film archives where um, there's just a lot of people coming to this church. But then slowly, they, it just it, it evolved. Pomona changed, and some of the people started sure. leaving. So much so, there were only about forty. Hmm. When the merge happened, it was something that was very novel during that time. The church just just grew uh, in two thousand three and hmm. to, uh, to this day. So in its in its peak, when I say peak, this was pre COVID. We had about seven fifty, and about uh, I would say about. 28 different nationalities are, are attending or represented in our church. But because of COVID, then we're going through another transition. And I became a mm -hmm. pastor in 2020 of September. Uh, the pastor was ready to uh, retire. He was about uh, 83 years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't know if the transition would happen, but because COVID requires you have to be more adept with uh, like online ministry said, let's just go with it. So, mm -hmm. you know, 
I had to navigate the transition at the same time, the, the challenges of uh, online, no online, <laughs> in person, mm -hmm. not person. Sure. But I'm happy to share that in a year and a half, we have three waves of people. I would say over 150 people have come to the church in person. So we now are re-emerging as a as really a new church. And there are some things that are happening due to COVID. Like, for example, some of the people who could not go to their church, they started coming. They, they said, let's just go local. So we have more uh, non-Filipinos joining our church. So hmm. so it's so amazing. Yeah? Our attendance is up. Our membership is up. Our membership classes, our water baptism. So... Well, we are we are excited. At the same time, though, we also have lost some people who somehow, on the other end, you're probably aware that a lot of uh, Filipino churches they are not community based. Uh -huh. uh, we have people from Apple Valley, Victorville, from Santa Clarita, from Valencia, <laughs> from Norwalk to Carson wow. to Long Beach. That's about thirty-five, forty miles away. Mm -hmm. So they too are started to attend. Uh, the local churches there. So both ends, but mm -hmm. the, the attrition rate of people coming uh, is, is higher than uh, those who are leaving. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's where we are right now. Yeah. <laughs> wow. yeah. Sounds like there's, I mean, I know that during the pandemic, pastors and churches have had to navigate a lot of those. How do we do this well? How do we still have church? And I didn't realize that you um, came on board as the pastor in September 2020, you said. So yeah. you were just really thrown right into <laughs> the lion's den or, or Correct. the volcano, right. whatever, whatever yeah. mess of a situation it was. And so um, it sounds like uh, there have been some cool things happening during your time in leadership and God's movement in that place. It's really cool to hear about. I am curious um, that even in the face of a diverse church population, you yourself are Filipino. And so I'm wondering how you as a Filipino, how, how that part of your identity informs the way that you pastor, informs the way that you lead a church in this context. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that's one of the areas that I really studied, you know, uh, because uh, when I came here on board in 2014, uh, I was already on the phase of doing my doctoral studies. And by the way, during my years where I was not pastoring, remember, I went through a time of a shift in my ministry where I was so broken. Hmm. I became actually a hospice chaplain. And the reason I became a hospice chaplain was because I was attending a class by Dr. Ed Gibbs, you know, hmm. and and he was this Episcopalian professor. And he was saying, like, I know there's a stigma of the word uh, hospice, but he said the face of death, whether you are rich or poor. And he was sharing this because he was pastoring a church in Beverly Hills at the same time. He was pastoring a church in East L.A. because that's how they're. Uh, the denomination worked. And so what happened was that I uh, I became a ch chaplain because he said, maybe you should consider. So I became a volunteer, bedside assistant, just reading to them, watching, you know, movies, playing my guitar and singing to them. Hmm. So I had a choice between taking my doctoral study on chaplaincy at the same time, Filipino-American studies. And I had very, very good reports from my professor in the chaplaincy in the in the demon program. 
and uh, Dr. Spidwell was really encouraging me, you should pursue this because I think I was doing something new also, incorporating my background, my ethnicity, but I felt that the Filipino-American uh, study is, is much bigger because being in Europe, I saw that there are a lot of Filipino immigrants that are emerging and planting these churches. Like when I went mm-hmm. to Italy, there's this right. group of people by Bishop Francis Santos. He's a Filipino. He has mm-hmm. 50 uh, churches that he planted. I was so amazed because, wow. uh, yeah, and not only is ministering to Filipinos, he has, you know, uh, Africans, Middle Easterns, Romanians. I said, wait a minute, you know, so. I think the the idea of uh, Filipino churches in a cross-cultural setting, not just uh, America, maybe Canada or Australia, I think it's something that we need to develop because of our hybrid culture. And so that really helped me. And so when I did my doctoral study, it really opened more of uh, who we are, including our painful journey, at the same time, our strength in becoming a bridge to other ethnicities. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're highlighting is this idea that Filipinos are everywhere (laughs) in Italy too, and that there is something about a gift, um, if I can call it that, to build bridges, to build deep connections, uh, like a Mm -hmm. kapwa kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Jay, did you say you had a question? Yeah, I appreciate that wonderful story. It testifies to something that we know a lot of others are kind of theorizing about mm. because they have anecdotal stories or experiences of being in diverse settings as a Filipino, Filipino-American and being able to mix mm. well with different people. But you're describing actually seeing it happen in ministry overseas and in the United States, which is so helpful. So we've asked our other guests this question we want to ask you. What is your favorite Filipino comfort food? <laughs> yeah, you know what? We just came from Scandinavian region and we, we've been going around. Finally, after like a week, we said, let's, let's find something. And there's no Filipino. The closest Asian is Thai. But yeah, we love, we love adobo. I love adobo. <laughs> adobo. I love pancit. Nice. Yeah, I love pancit. So mm. I know how to, my pancit is pretty good. My wife right. puts really good adobo. We're not actually uh, cooks, you know. When you are in the U.S., you have to learn how to cook. You That's don't right. have anyone helping you. So my first try was to cook uh, sweet and sour, and, and that, uh, it ended up sour and sour. So <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Thank you for that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I know, uh, Pastor Allen, you also spent some time pastoring in the Philippines as well, as well as obviously here in the U.S. Um, in Southern California. And we were wondering for you, like, what were some of the main differences between pastoring Filipino Christians in the Philippines versus here in the U.S.? What are some Very differences, good. some similarities? Yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah. You know, I in the Philippines, I became a pastor of a... Uh, it's more like a, I would say it started like an expat church. It was uh, pastored by three white uh, pastors. And that was their goal to become a uh, 
an expat church with a lot of uh, people who are very influential in the community. And I came from Cebu. And uh, when they all left, I, uh, you know, being the youth pastor, I kind of represented the third, I'm sorry, the second generation. So I became the, the pastor of the church and I pastored a church for about 10 years. The church grew during the transition. Um, the church was only 150, but very affluent. They, they had, mm -hmm. the church had money. Uh, we had people who are the who's who in the community, but they all left when I became the pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I was very young. I was 25 years old. And I begged. I said, hey, you know, maybe another pastor could lead you. But maybe during that time, I was the only guy. But I led the church, you know, for, for 10 years. It grew to about 1,000. And uh, we mm. planted about 19 churches in 10 years. Uh, many of my staff went to uh, a different parts of uh, East Asia and now continue to serve as missionaries. So... So that's my context. I, th I think the next Christendom by Philip uh, Jenkins, he wrote a lot about what's happening in the global South. And uh, when you pick up by region, he did mention a lot about the Philippines. And it's the, the, the faith, the movement is very vibrant. My brother uh, still, is, you know, my family, my father is there. He's a, uh, he's a pastor. Uh, there are three of us sons who are pastors. So I'm very immersed and well-informed of what's happening. And I'm really, uh, sometimes there's that, uh, just being envious of yeah. how they can, you know, do these great things. And and when I came to the U.S., I thought I had all of these tools, you know. I can do this thing, you know. I had something uh, in mind of what to do. I can grow. They were not working. <laughs> <laughs> interesting they were not working and i think that's part of the reason i went into this emotional tailspin hmm. because yeah. i thought like wow what what am i doing you know and and i would say fuller really helped me my conversation with my professors that's great my readings uh my interaction i have good relation beyond the classroom setting you know i have good feedbacks of questioning and uh, articulating what really I'm doing. And that helped me. And I, if, if I may have to look at my first seven years, you know, of pastoring in the U.S., which was kind of painful, looking at the second now, this is my last arrow. I'm not a young guy. <laughs> this is my last arrow. And I'm seeing more, I think, that the, the, the difference is because now I understand my context. It's not just Filipino ministry. It's Filipino-American ministry, you know. And what does that mean in my context? Wow. So, uh, and that's the difference. When you, when you, like, for example, you could put up a flyer, you could put up a seminar in, in, in the Philippines. People will, you know, you, you know, you could easily get a crowd of 1,000, 2,000. We can do that. Here you can't, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because they're all spread out. Not only that, I'm becoming more not just understanding my my Filipino American context, but also in Pomona, I have to be indigenous. I have to look at my neighbor within five miles, three miles. Who are the people? You know, and we're trying to meet those needs. So that's and and I think a lot of uh, Filipino American uh, pastors, especially the first generations who are here, assuming like this will work. That will not work. 
yeah, there are some big name denominations in the, in the Philippines, you know, when they're here, sometimes, you know, their longevity, two years, three years, it, you know, it doesn't work. And there are pastors like me before who are this mega church pastors in the Philippines. When we were, we're here, we have only about having 50, 60, 70, 100 members. However, there are pastors in the Philippines who are now here who are not mega church pastors but pastoring big churches like it absolutely like what's happening you know why are they successful here yeah it's it, it's it's some of the things really change uh, uh going back Eleanor to your question and i think context has to, to do about that that's really helpful this is an unexpected turn in our conversation perhaps but i'm wondering if you could speak to the challenges of burnout or of mental health needs a little bit more. I think that yeah. you experienced some of what you went through earlier than 2020. And right now, many pastors we speak to, and of course there's much literature out there about the great resignation and how this also is affecting right. clergy people. Many pastors are finding out now that they're burned out or already have decided to leave pastoral ministry, perhaps. And so people like Eleanor, who are on the counseling and therapy side, have their hands full mm. <laughs> with lots of clients and yeah. not many openings left. And so I, if it's fair to say that, Pastor Allen, that you learned a lot of these lessons before 2020, yeah. I'm wondering if you could counsel or give pastoral wisdom to those who maybe for the first time in 2020, 21, 22 mm -hmm. are, are realizing oh, I'm burned out or mm -hmm. they're wondering, I don't know if I want to do this work anymore. Would you mind to just pastor and shepherd a little bit, you know, what was helpful for you or what advice would you give to, to them? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not an expert on, on, on burnout. <laughs> what I did was to uh, manage my own uh, burnout. And uh, one of the things that I did during those years of trying to re-emerge myself, uh, you know, to, as I've shared, 2010, 11, and 12 were mm -hmm. my most painful years, was to, I need to understand if I can narrow down my priorities, what are those? And I came up with three focus in life, faith, family, mm -hmm. and then fitness. Sometimes Great. it's food. <laughs> Amen. And also Filipino. <laughs> so actually in my cover photo, uh, every now and then I would remind myself, faith, family, Filipino, repeat. That word repeat, I actually got that from you know, triathlon. Uh, swim, great. bike, run. But I look at the balance of... Uh, of that, you know, faith, my faith in Christ and my calling, and then my family, and then my my fitness. Uh, of course, uh, fitness is a very broad uh, subject, you know. So, so I, I I think a lot of Filipino American pastors, the calling is there, faith is there. We are very family oriented. We come from a culture where family is everything, you know. But I think the fitness side is something that I don't think we're really exploring. 
and telling ourselves, let's take care of our bodies. I was I was reading a book earlier this year because uh, our theme in our church this year is moving forward. And I did address it, those different areas in our faith, in our family, in our fitness. And I got this book, it's just right there. And the author says that the human body is like uh, the Swiss army knife, the same mm. body that can, you know, a heavyweight boxer is the same body that can glide like this ballet dancer. And he was saying, like, we are rubbing ourselves. We're not exploring. If we're only, like, using one part, you know, of our life, I think that's amazing. <laughs> so wow. in our church, we have a, a, a ministry called In Motion. And we have hikers. We have cyclists. We have mountain bikers. Wow. We have uh, boulders. And I, I think we have developed that and we have surfers. We have, I have a lot of iron, uh, uh, Ironman triathletes in our church. I joined a club, by the way, my club is Phil and Tri Club. It's about 800 all over the U.S. We, we, we have uh, a club. Very cool. Uh, yes. Yeah. One of these days, if you guys want to meet, you know, Arlan Makasai. <laughs> Arlan Makasai is a Filipino-American Olympian, and yeah, he represented. Uh, wow. he's, he's, he's an amazing guy. Yes, he. There's some records that he, and I joined that. And they call me Iron Pastor. That's oh, right. We should have been calling yeah. you that this whole time. <laughs> and then, yeah, during the race, I'm not there to, uh, you know, break personal best. When they see me, uh, Iron Pastor, Kuya Pastor, uh, Kuya Allen. Can you pray? Because I'm going to be, be, you know, like, do not finish. So I stop. I pray for them. So, and they're here in my church. That's great. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think that's another thing that I really value with with uh, mental health. Because sometimes my, my ministry is just a cocoon of, of people going through stress, going through pain. When I go to my long weekends... I have these people, you know, who are triathletes, mm-hmm. and they give me like we we somehow think that iron sharpens iron, and it's on only Christian. <laughs> when I go there, I listen to them, and I have lifelong friendship that I develop. Like when I went to Estonia, I have a Filipino guy who is an elite athlete for Ireland, although he's Filipino. So he would switch wow. because he's now sponsored by Ireland, and then there's another guy from the Philippines. We just met there. But the conversation we had, uh, the encouragement we shared, that really helped me. That really developed me. And, mm. and I continue to maintain that friendship. And that really helped me. And sometimes I, I think we are also, a lot of Christians, they don't have that. Because somehow they're, we have this idea and notion that we are not of the world. <laughs> Hmm. So, so that's me. Yeah, that's I mean, right. You know, they're surprised that I'm in that in that area, and and as a result, I have developed the ministry of the pastor. They said, you marry, you carry their baby, dedicate them, and then you bury their their loved ones. And that's me, and I'm very active that's right. in that other community, not just the church community. Mm. That really helped me, mm. and, and I think for our pastors, it could be. You know, cyclists, it could be gardeners, it could be runners, it could be climbers. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I think they need to have that. (laughs) Yeah. You're touching on something so important for uh, mental health in general is is balancing the physical health and also having community with other people and that those have been 
for you at least, um, Pastor Iron Man, <laughs> Pastor Allen, <laughs> the um, have been protective factors for you in terms of the burnout that you felt, um, or you know, can feel. Lots of people can feel as pastors, and so I want to touch on um, this idea of burnout. A lot of people are familiar with this idea, but just as a review, it's, it's this like psychological, physical, emotional, spiritual experience that we can have when we feel so exhausted, we feel like cynical or detached from what we're, you know, the task in front of us and, and this general sense of uh, ineffectiveness and a lack of accomplishment. It just, it's right. the worst. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of us have felt that. And so I'll speak for myself and friends, Filipino friends that I've had conversations with about burnout as Filipinos. And it's around this idea that we're, we're not able to do enough, right? And then this idea that we begin to, and there, there are many reasons why we feel that way. The, the world demands a lot from all of us and there's always so much to do so much to so many people to serve but this feeling that we aren't able to do enough somehow maybe because of colonial mentality which is something that i study it turns into a characterological accusation against ourselves so it's like okay well maybe i'm not enough mm -hmm. and it turns into this uh yeah that it becomes about something is ineffective with us and mm -hmm. and that propels and perpetuates this propels it pushes us towards burnout so um that's i just wanted to share some of my experience and see if, if jay and pastor allen if if you all have any thoughts on that and you know uh meet me out here on this branch thank you eleanor for helping us to have language around that pastor allen shared about an experience related to ministry that seems to be a little bit broader than burnout and might have other things involved with it but I can definitely appreciate what both of you are saying and the need for us to have these other areas. It is also in many ways an unhealthy or bad fruit of our theology and discipleship where we are often ignoring the body's needs, even though we cannot help but relate with God and one another and the world with our bodies, right? Mm -hmm. And so in a previous episode, I shared about my love for Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and how I receive from that what many people receive from the same things that you mentioned, Pastor Allen. And for some mm -hmm. people, it's yoga. And for other people, it'll be other things. It could even be like knitting or drawing. Cooking. Yeah. Cooking. Cooking. Yeah. Amen. yeah. Just forcing us to kind of be present in a way that's embodied mm -hmm. and different than what we usually do. So, yeah, thank you for that. And Eleanor, perhaps we'll have to come back to that topic in a future episode. Yeah. We only have a little bit of time, so I thought to raise this last question for you, Pastor Allen, because you are a pastor who is a Filipino-American who's born in the Philippines and has knowledge of both ministry there and ministry here in the U.S. Mm. And also has done research and writing related to Filipino-American ethnic and cultural identity which we know in all honesty many pastors have not done that whether they have not had the opportunity or they simply are focused on other things but you have so i wanted to ask you as you survey the landscape of the challenges and opportunities before the next generation of filipino americans you're also a father and you think about 
the next generation of ministry leaders. Mm -hmm. What are you, first of all, concerned about? And then maybe second, so we can mm -hmm. land on this nice note. What gives you hope? Yes. Okay. Thank you, uh, Jay. Uh, the, the big challenge is this multifaceted community that we all face in, within the Filipino community. You know, the 1.0, the 1.5, then the, the 2.0, and now even the 2.5. So we're dealing with different generations, different ethnicity, different uh, language, <laughs> different culture. Uh, I think you're aware of a book by Stephen Cherry, Filipino Faith Community, the, mm -hmm, uh, the sure. sociologist in Houston. <laughs> Right. interesting book <laughs> how the church that started a uh, Filipino community were all broken into different communities over puto <laughs> mm -hmm. over rice cake then you know what because there's this uh, Catholic community group in the Philippines that split you know the Corpus for Christ mm -hmm. and now the, it's just and I was reading it and I was this is really true you know, in my own church, you know, uh, there's tribalism, which has the better adobo. Is it the is it Bisaya? Is it the Ilocano? Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, I think that's the challenge. Well, and then you have, I really saw this, the conversation that really even affected, you know, within my, my, my own, you know, uh, nuclear family during uh, George Floyd. I think there's an absence of uh, history from many Filipino immigrants who, hmm. you know, who sees, you know, the history of uh, Americans as uh, liberators, you know, the mm -hmm. G.I. Joe, and they're very dependent on that. So that's a challenge. And, and yet you have uh, children who were born here who has a different reading of history. And I, I saw that. And there were some panels that I was invited to speak and the, the, the tension was palpable. Wow. So I, I, I think that's something that uh, we need to, I think the challenge is real. And I think in my reading, what helped me is this is still growing. And, and, and Jay and uh, Eleanor, I think uh, we are in a very good position. And our culture, you know that we are not a reading culture. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're not, you mm -hmm. know, we're not into critical thinking. Uh, you know, by and large, and I think uh, that brings me hope, you know, reading, you know, uh, Jay, your, your, your work, you know, the work of uh, Dr. Nadal, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the Alaskero. E.J. David? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That, that book. And my son, I was so happy because he was, you know, he was assigned in UCLA as an RA. You know, there were about 253 students, Filipino-Americans. They wow. did a study using R.J. David's uh, uh, manual. And my son was totally changed because wow. he was born as a Filipino-American. Now he embraces his culture very well. That's and great. that brings me hope because of, of people like, you know, who are these trailblazers. Although that's from uh, psychological, you know, maybe the the ecclesial challenge is something new, but that that's what brings me hope. Like for example, I think Dr. Lee, uh, Daniel Lee, uh, articulated very well his uh, Asian quadrilateral. That was beautiful. How we should approach mm -hmm. our our ministry, you know, what is absent. I hope our pastors, because 
you know, I belong to uh, the denomination of different uh, organizations of Filipino American pastors, and I still struggle. You know, when I listen to their conversation, I don't even know who they are. <laughs> We're still confused, <laughs> and uh, and they're a- asking the wrong questions. <laughs> and so, uh, wow. and that that's what brings me hope. Another thing that what brings me hope is the respect of the people. Now there are about three of us, you know, in in our church who are from Fuller, and I think one more guy. You know, they're actually in in Fuller right now. So. The more uh, people that uh, understand and have a critical idea of uh, Filipino-American ministry, because 2045 is just right there in the corner. Everything will change when the majority of our population will now be the minority. And by the year 2060, the reemergence of uh, Asian uh, Americans, that's a major... And and I think... uh, when it comes to marketing, you know, uh, they're way ahead. Why can't churches be like that? Look at the movie industry, you know, with Japoy and Easter Sunday. <laughs> I think churches should be uh, should be uh, way ahead. So I hope we can develop that. Like, I, uh, Jay, uh, I, I envision a Filipino-American uh, theological uh, conference. Let's come together. Let's discuss, you know, annually what's... What's out there? You know, how can we develop this? And these are very unique. We can have Filipino American, Filipino theologian. We our context is different. Yeah, yeah. very exciting. Your energy and your hope, even okay. in the midst of some of the challenges that are very real, and that you and many of our listeners have also experienced. Your energy and your hope are contagious. Yeah, so, yeah, Dr. Alan Dionson, Pastor Alan. Iron Man pastor, uh, Kuya, an elder. Uh, we're so grateful for your friendship and your ministry. And we thank you for joining us on this thank episode. So and and I, I will use this uh, invitation. If, if you need a place, you know, where we can have this convention, we have a good, nice facility. Uh, yes. And, and let's have adobo. I'm there. And you just got... You just got yourself some visitors. I'll I'll see you in 30 minutes. (laughs) Thank you, Pastor. Thanks for listening to Centering, the Asian American Christian Podcast. This episode was produced by Jason Chu and edited by Alexander Catedral with music by Mark Redito. Please join us again next week or browse our archives on your favorite podcast directory. And above all else, we want to remind you that God embraces all of who you are. Thank you.